at the movies. Hello, one. Hello, all. My name's Bryony, and you're listening to Marta's at the movies. You find me right now sniffling quite a lot, both because I've got an annoyingly enduring cold and the resulting croaky voice, and because Marta's at the movies has come to the end of its 10 week run. I know, it's emotional. To cheer myself up, I just remind myself of the last movie I watched. The really cheerful and not at all heart-wrenching eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Oh, wait. When I'm not going out and buying happier movies for myself, I'm sorting my unnecessarily long movie soundtracks playlist into top ten lists. These lists are not meticulously processed, rigorously tested evaluations of the merits of said songs featured, but instead they're highly subjective and probably inaccurate because the decisions all just come down to my own personal taste. Martis, Mar 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 Martis at the movies. Last week I talked about the best songs sung by a movie's hero. But don't worry if you missed it, because you can head over to It's Just Bry on YouTube and listen to a playlist of all of the songs featured in last week's episode. I asked you guys for your thoughts on songs which I should have included in the podcast, but regular contributor Tom seemed to have misread the metaphorical memo somewhat, suggesting five songs for this week's theme and not a single song for last week's theme. Since it feels wrong to have an episode without him, let's pretend that he did suggest one. Um, when will my life begin from Tangled, since I very nearly did include that last week. One person who did have an idea was Chris, who went with a song that I'm very partial to because I was in this play in school. It's Wouldn't It Be Loverly from My Fair Lady. All I want is a room somewhere far away from the cold night air with one enormous So there may be no episode next week, but I still highly value your thoughts and I want to continue inviting you to be part of the conversation. So let me know what songs you liked, disliked and what songs I missed out on by tweeting me at itsjustbry1, that's small caps, no spaces and the digit one, or by hitting me up on the Martyrs at the Movies page on either Facebook or WordPress. Join me for the last time as we talk about movie closing songs. And now it's time for the highly subjective and probably inaccurate top 10 list of the week. Be warned, here there is spoilers. Spoilers ahead. X on the map marks the spoiler. Spoilery water's coming up. Have I made myself understood? I will try my very best to talk in as general terms as possible about the relationship between these songs and spoilery movie endings, but I'll probably end up mentioning at least one thing at some point that will give away a bit of a film's ending. If only because I think a film's closing song is so very important for the story of a film. A good closing song sends you away from the cinema, or let's face it, Netflix and Hulu, feeling just how the director wants you to feel. A good closing song can encapsulate the atmosphere, theme or lesson of a film in three short minutes, and it can make you go away from the film sad, wistful, optimistic, happy or basically anything else on the spectrum of emotions. Somewhat embarrassingly, nearly half of the closing songs on this list have made me cry which I'm pretty sure is less a reflection on how invested I get in the lives of fictional characters and more a reflection on the excellent work of the music supervision teams behind these films. So here they are. Top-notch songs which see us through that difficult transition from the closing scene of a movie and into the end credits. This is my top 10 list of best movie closing songs. 10. 
Okay, here's a version of the biggest selling single of 1998 from the second biggest movie of all time, namely Titanic, or as we like to call it, it was fine when it left Northern Ireland. Always keen to capitalise on any and every claim to fame that we have, it is of course necessary to point out that in our pantheon of most famous NI people and things, the fact that the Titanic was built in Belfast sits right up alongside Liam Neeson, Snow Patrol and Owen Quigg from X Factor. Remember him? I digress. The song is composed by James Horner and it plays over the dream sequence at the end of Titanic as Rose imagines herself back on board the ship and reunited with Jack once more. It's appropriately called The Dream or you might just want to think of it as that instrumental version of My Heart Will Go On. Sure, this instrumental version is pretty and all. It's suitably dreamlike and lilting for the sequence, and it closes the film on a wistfully romantic note that is my crying moment number one on the list. But the thing is that as it builds up towards the chorus, it does sort of leave you wishing that Celine would come bursting in, singing, You're here! <clears throat> exactly like that, yep. And giving it a boost of energy that she brings to it. It doesn't make you think that, however, quite as much as the movie in general just leaves you shouting in rage at the screen at how many ways there would have been for Jack and Rose to both fit on that flipping piece of wood. It was not that small, Rose. It wasn't. Selfish. You'll never let go indeed. The cheek of it. Number nine is both wonderfully literal and painfully cutting. It's called Baby, You're a Rich Man, it's sung by the Beatles, and it's featured at the end of The Social Network, aka the Facebook film. Baby You're a Rich Man is a wonderfully literal song title because Mark Zuckerberg is indeed a very rich man. In fact, the world's youngest billionaire, as the text that appears over this scene reminds us. But I'd imagine this song title maybe also smarts for Zuckerberg a little, because it isn't played over some scene of him celebrating with a girlfriend, but instead him sending a friend request to his ex-girlfriend, Erica Albright, and refreshing and refreshing and refreshing to see if she's accepted yet. He's got no baby to share this money and success with, and the juxtaposition of the jaunty music and the smug lyrics with his portrayed loneliness is a pretty sobering thing to think about, whilst the screen shows us Facebook-related facts, which are in fact instantly out of date, because Facebook still continues growing, changing and developing. In some ways, then, it's a story that we're all part of if we use Facebook. Other social networks are, of course, available. Although sadly, Being part of the Facebook story does not mean that we get a share of any of this lovely billion dollar empire that Zuckerberg is building. That would be nice though. So I have seen this film, but I don't have a clue what happens in it. Like, don't ask me to explain it to you because I won't be able to at all. I just know that there's something about a tangent universe, vortexes, 28 days to save the world, time travel and doomsday apocalyptic visions. Sounds like a right laugh, doesn't it? And of course, there's the most famous icon of the film, Frank the Giant Bunny. I'm not making this up. The song plays over the lump-in-your-throat-inducing final scene of the wonderfully bonkers sci-fi film Donnie Darko. And this is Gary Jules' cover of Tears for Fear's song, Mad World. And I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad 
Dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you. I find it hard to take. From what I understood when watching it anyway, this film has quite a happy sad ending. Donnie manages to save the lives of most of the people that matter to him in the film by acting as a receiver and impacting the primary universe to destroy the tangent or something like that. But in return he sacrifices his own life. The mostly bitter, bittersweet vibe of the film's ending is only amplified by the decision to play the most sombre and depressing Christmas number one ever, as we see that the people Donnie has died for don't even remember him or know he existed. Barrel of laughs. And yes, the song was Christmas number one. Just two years before X Factor took over the date with their inspirational, key-change-heavy winner's ballad, this was the song we all wanted to listen to as we wished each other season's greetings. Weird nation, aren't we? Seven. Seven. I adore this song so much. I'm so far lost down the rabbit hole with it that I cried the first time I watched the music video for the song, before the movie was even out in cinemas yet. And boy did the tears flow when this one came on in the cinema, at the end of The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. It's called The Last Goodbye, and it's sung by Billy Boyd, who played Pippin in the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. Go where the road then takes me I cannot tell we came all this way, but now comes the day to bid you farewell. First of all, I genuinely think this is beautiful, and secondly, it's such a fitting end to the whole universe of Middle-earth, which has been a part of my life since my parents read me The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings trilogy when I was in primary school. To see it all wrapped up like this, especially since they do it so seamlessly, was by far my favourite part of the, to my mind, highly unsatisfactory second trilogy in the Middle-earth saga. Let's face it, the Hobbit films aren't really even worthy of polishing the shoes of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. But Bilbo's return to Bag End at the end of The Hobbit changes expertly to elderly Bilbo being surprised by Gandalf at the start of the Fellowship of the Ring as the camera pans in on the map and we get treated to hand-drawn credits in the same style as the Return of the King credits and a song by one of the members of the original Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, so good. Now, who's up for a Hobbit and Lord of the Rings marathon? Six films? 20 hours? 1,171 minutes? No? <laughs> Nobody? Okay. Six, six. This is a great one, because it comes from a film by my favourite director, Wes Anderson. The man just oozes cool style and quirkiness, and his unique sensibilities with the visual design and the music selection are the highlights of any of his movies. Anderson's style to me is unparalleled, though of course he must have been inspired by some and inspiring to others, but at the end of the day, even just watching the trailers and listening to the soundtracks of his movies will give you an idea of the flair that he has. Now that I'm done gushing, have a listen to The Faces singing Ooh La La at the end of Anderson's second movie, High School Story, Rushmore. Max, the main character of Rushmore, is a sensationally eccentric and adult-mannered teenager who is in equal parts very sophisticated and highly immature. Throughout the movie, he becomes a little obsessed with one of the teachers, Miss Cross, and at the end of the movie, slightly wiser than before, he finally gets to dance with her, to the sounds of this upbeat, cheerful song with the melancholy lyric, I wish that I knew what I know now when I was younger. We're finally given the impression that Max is growing up a little, as the film ends in classic Anderson style, moving into super slow-mo for the last scene, as the curtain then drops in the school dance, and the movie comes to an end. Stylishly, of course. Seriously, just go watch a Wes Anderson film. Five. Five. 
this is another one for the Irish and it's a gorgeous song from one of the most surprising Irish micro-budget success story movies one starring real-life buskers slash musicians Glenn Hensard and Marquetta Erglova neither of whom has any real desire to pursue acting fame and fortune this film was shot for pennies around Dublin without filming permission without big without huge cameras and even in Glenn's own flat it's a rough around the edges piece of work with a very sweet centre and some incredible music particularly this song, Falling Slowly, which ended up taking everyone by storm and winning the Best Original Song Oscar in 2007. played over the closing scene is a reprise and it means so much more the second time because it's not to be they know it's not to be between the two main characters they don't even have names they're known as the boy and the girl the first time they sing this song together in the film they're just getting to know one another and it's hopeful and a wonderful bonding for them over their love of music now at the end of the movie it's no longer hopeful the song means so much to both of them and they do love each other but it just isn't going to be and so playing it again as they go their separate ways while thinking of each other is a lovely little link back to the potential for how great they could have been together if circumstances were different a nice link albeit a heartbreaking one time for a love story that actually has a happy ending hurrah This is one of the most unashamedly soppy and openly romantic movies that I know. And you just just can't approach it with any cynicism because the sweetness of it all will break you down bit by bit like an especially adorable bacteria. It even worked a trick on the famously snarky Elvis Costello, getting him to write this sugary sweet number which accompanies the montage that forms the last scene of, in my opinion, easily the best Richard Curtis movie. Love actually does not even remotely come close. This is from Notting Hill and it's called She. She goes that got to be the meaning of my life is she. She. This song plays over a montage of the lives of the main characters ordinary London boy Will and American movie star Anna as they begin their lives together. It features an extremely ugly wedding dress, some very cute children and lashings and lashings of pure British romantic comedy cheesiness. It's just lovely. Hooray for happy endings and for Hugh Grant being the stumbling, bumbling character that he does so well and which completely makes you see why he might be called Richard Curtis's movie muse. Fiddlesticks, it's just great. Three, three. Here's another reprise to a song which changes its significance in the movie from the original scene to the reprise in the very last scene of the film. Les Miserables is not like Once in many ways, except for being a musical. Where Once is a short, budget Irish film in modern-day Dublin, Les Mis is a huge, operatic piece about revolutionary France. And yet, they've also got in common the fact that if you don't cry the first time you hear the song in the movie, you definitely will when you hear it in the last scene of the movie. And in Les Mis, this song is the call to arms of the revolution. It's called Do You Hear the People Sing? The first time you hear it, Do the People Sing is sung by Andras and the other revolutionary students before their small, desperate and tragic last stand at the barricade. 
The second time, at the very end, the whole cast joins in, gradually growing louder and louder with each stanza, featuring all the cast members, including the many, yes, there are many, characters who have died throughout the film, joining in and singing that they will live again in freedom in the garden of our Lord. As the camera pans out to show them at a ginormous barricade, supported by thousands of citizens, such as the boys could never even have dreamed a hope for when planning their rebellion. It's a stirring call to action to end the film, although the action that it usually produces in me, to be fair, is floods of tears. This is the end song of a trilogy. That trilogy being the wonderful amnesiac assassin trilogy about Jason Bourne. Unusually for a trilogy, the films just get better and better as they go, and so do the ways in which this excellent song, Extreme Ways by Moby, gets used. So here's the version taken from the third film, The Bourne Ultimatum. I would stand in line for this There's always room in life for this Ultimatum is the darkest of the three films, with some pretty heavy revelations made in the last act about Bourne himself and the organisation that he's part of. To top off the darkness, Bourne is shot as he jumps into a river in an attempt to escape and he's presumed dead. Instead of following Bourne himself, we as the audience get to watch Nicky, one of his allies, watching the news and discovering that Bourne's body has not been found after a three-day search. The sound editing is so good in this scene. A little smirk starts to spread across Nikki's face and the song starts to play. And then we cut to seeing Bourne swimming away, very much not dead. The scene fades to black as the song reaches a pause and then the drums kick in and the song goes on as the credits start. It's just one of the brilliantly edited little moments in the Bourne films which make you want to punch the air in triumph and proclaim lasting loyalty to the Bourne films over the Bond ones. What? Who said that? (laughs) Call me a traitor to Her Majesty's Secret Service, but these... This just blows those films out of the water. One, one. And finally, the defining 80s moment in which we all learned that we could break free of stereotypes because none of us are just one thing, but instead all of us are a brain, an athlete, a basket case, a princess, and a criminal. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, The Breakfast Club. As five very different teenagers go home from a Saturday morning detention, which has taught them to question a lot of things and view each other and themselves in very different lights, Judd Nelson as Bender walks across the playing field and punches the air, and the movie finishes with a freeze frame of him pumping the air triumphantly as the sounds of Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds blare out. iconic. What a way to end a movie. It's another one of those bittersweet songs that acknowledges that they aren't going to be the same after today, but that on the outside things probably will be, because they're going to go back to school on Monday to their own social cliques. It would be lovely to think that they don't all forget about each other, but let's be honest, school doesn't really work like that, and that's the genius of this song. So empowering, but so wistful and sad and full of longing. The perfect way to end this list and this podcast. Martes at the movies. And that's it. Those are my top 10 closing songs from movies. And that's the end of Martes at the movies. What did you think? What songs did you like? What songs did you dislike? Tweet me at It's Just Bry One, Facebook and WordPress me at Martes at the movies. And don't forget to go to It's Just Bry on YouTube to listen to a playlist of the full versions of all of the songs mentioned in today's episode. 
A massive thank you for everyone that's made it this far and listened to the podcast throughout the weeks, sent in song suggestions and let me know what you enjoyed. I've really, really appreciated it and you've made this a great experience. May the force be with you, may the odds be ever in your favour and have a wonderful Martis. <laughs>